Hello, Sawona, how's it? Molo, Jambo, and welcome to Every Nation Devon Podcast. We hope this message will inspire you and draw you closer to Christ. Enjoy. It, it's, it's okay. <laughs> it's okay. You know, Kaiser okay, Chiefs um, teaches you to be a really good Christian, a really strong Christian. It teaches you what it means to hold on to God. Um, for, for everyone who doesn't know what's been going on with Kaiser Chiefs, it's been bad. <laughs> uh, I don't know how to sum it up. They were on top of the log for almost the whole of 2019. And then, like, I think the last game of the season, they lost the league. Um, and, and then they hired a new coach, and everyone thinks, oh, things are going to get better. Um, and, yeah, they're losing. Dismally. They lost, like, 5-0 to Orlando Pirates very, very recently. Um, yeah, so as fans, we're sitting there. You know, as fans, we love our football. We love sitting there and supporting them, and we love to see them winning. Um, so now it's been hard, eh? Um, and, and when I was thinking about that and what it means to be this chief supporter and for me to come up here and stand before you and still say I'm a chief supporter, even though I was looking down and not looking up, because <laughs> right now I can't hold up my head and say, yeah, I'm a chief supporter, because I know it's not, it's not going well. Um, I was actually thinking about the similarities of that and our Christianity, you know. Um, so the, the sermon that I'm preaching today is titled, Even If. Even if, and it's based on Daniel 3, verse 17 to 18. Um, we all know it where Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego um, are defying the king, King Nebuchadnezzar. Um, and so he, 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 he comes up and he says, there's a decree. You know, there's a decree in my land. I'm going to build a statue, a statue of myself. And I'm going to blow a trumpet and everyone needs to um, bow down. When they hear this trumpet going, they need to bow down and worship my statue. How cool is that? Build your own statue, and then when everyone hears this, um, bow down and worship me. So then these guys, like they, the Israelites, they're in this land, um, and they're like, no, nah, we're not going to do this. You know? And then, no, but then the decree was, if, if someone decides they're not going to do this, then we're going to burn them in, in a fiery furnace. You know, so we, they must burn. So these guys are like, ah, oh, no, it's fine, we're not going to do this. And then the other guys are seeing them, they're like, hi, why aren't these guys like bowing down and why aren't these guys worshipping the statue? You know, so they, they get up, um, and they, and they start going, um, to the, to the, to the king. And then they're like, king, there's these three guys, um, and you told us that we all need to bow down and worship the statue, um, and, 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 you know, but these guys are not doing it. Um, and they, they're just disregarding whatever you said. And you said whoever doesn't do it is going to go into the fiery furnace. So King Nebuchadnezzar, um, he gives them a chance. He's like, oh, okay, I'm, I'm mad, but call these guys here. Bring them in. Let them come. You know, um, and so... He brings them in and he's like, guys, I've been hearing that you guys are not bowing down to my statue. I want to give you one more chance. You can bow down to the statue right now. And then this is this guy's response. Um, let's take it from verse uh, 17. It says, if we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God whom we serve is able to save us. 
He will rescue us from your power, your majesty. Hallelujah. Is that not powerful? Is that not strong? That is glorious because the God whom we serve is mighty to, serve, to save. And there's nothing that is impossible for him. And he can do anything and everything. So these guys are confronted with this um, danger and this, and this hardship. And then all they're saying is they're making this bold declaration that, you know what? God is going to save us. Hallelujah. That's enough, right? But then these guys don't think that's enough. They want to carry on. In verse 18, he says, But even if he doesn't, we want to make it clear to you, your majesty, that we will never serve your gods or worship the gold statue you have set up. That sounds great, but for me, I'm thinking you should have left it at the first part. Because <laughs> now, effectively what he's saying is even if he doesn't save us. So now he's opening a possibility that, you know what, he might not save us. And for me, I'm, I'm, I'm sitting here reading the scripture and I'm thinking, I, I, I'd much rather like the first part. You know, that he will save us and that is a definite thing and that there's, there's no way that he won't. You know? Um, but that's what I want us to explore this morning. That even if. It's a, it's a difficult thing, isn't it? That even if he doesn't, we want to make it clear to you. So this guy is not mincing his words. He's not looking down like me. He's looking up at this king. <laughs> and he's saying, even if he doesn't, um, I want to make it clear to you, your majesty, we will never serve your gods or worship the gold statue which you have set up. Amen. Yeah, um, before I get too, too, too far into the sermon, uh, my wife said I must say hello to everyone. Um, she's been living the live church experience vicariously through me um, ever since we came back to live church. Um, as a family, we've just decided that because we've got a young child, um, maybe we'll wait until next year for her to be here. Um, but I just needed to get that across. Amen. Amen. Even if, <laughs> even if my wife is here, not here. <laughs> I want to make it clear. <laughs> sure. <laughs> so, so the question is, how do we respond in these times where we, we find ourselves, there's hardships, there's, there's uncomfortable situations, or there's, there's, there's just difficulty. We're just surrounded by difficulty. Um, and, and as we, and we go on to this morning, I want to explore uh, a certain character in the Bible who I think their life um, really make, shines a light on what we're talking about this morning. Um, but like I've said, this is a difficult thing to live out this even if life. Um, so how do we do it on a personal level? Do we become like um, Job's wife? Um, I don't know her name. Does anyone know Job's wife's name? This, this is for a prize. Come on, you biblical scholars. Anyone? Anyone here? Mrs. Job. <laughs> nice try. <laughs> I'm joking. Um, I, I don't think they ever mention her, her name in the Bible. Um, but, this is, but this is what she had to say. 
So Job is going through all this hardship. Um, Job is not the guy I'm profiling anyway, by the way. But, but this is what the wife said. She's like, are you still trying to maintain your integrity or your principles or your values? She's talking to the husband now and she says, why don't you just curse God and die? So when the hardships are going, when King Nebuchadnezzar is here and he's saying, okay, fine, I'm taking you to the fiery furnace. And then in the furnace, the guys who are getting it ready, the soldiers who are getting it ready, make it so hot that the, the, the first guys who are dragging them there actually are consumed by the fire. At that point, when you're actually seeing that this fire is really blazing, and I'm next, I'm going in there, are you like, oh, I'm doomed. Let me just curse God and die. There's nothing he can do for me. Or are we like these guys who have so much boldness, who are like, even if I'm going into this fire, even if I'm going to this hardship, I will yet praise you. You know, I know sometimes we read the Bible and we're thinking, you know, these guys are awesome, this is an awesome story. Um, but I, I really want us to put ourselves in this guy's shoes this morning. Um, so sometimes what we can do is when we find ourselves in difficult situations or in uncomfortable settings, um, what we can do is we can let go of a part of God or let go of God completely. So we can come to a place where we're like, you know what? No matter what happens, God will save us. And then we carry on standing. And then the enemy comes closer and when we're still standing. And then the enemy comes even closer and we're still standing. And the enemy comes even closer and we're like, uh, <laughs> maybe... Um, I'm just going to take a shield. Or maybe I'm just not going to stand here where I was told to stand. I'm just going to go over there to the side. And, or, or maybe I'm just going to find um, a weapon that because I, I, something is coming at me and I need to, to get myself ready. And, and the guy who shows us um, this example is the, the, the King Saul. Um, so King Saul, if you look at First uh, Samuel 10, verse 6 to 9, um, just briefly about who he is. Um, this is a guy who was well off, tall, handsome. You know, um, if he was in church, he'd probably be the guitar cutie. Um, <laughs> where did that word come from? <laughs> So, so, so this was the guy who was tall, and 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 he was like, every, he stood head and shoulders above everyone, and everyone was like, oh, this guy is awesome, you know. So, um, at some point, he had a radical encounter. Um, Samuel, who was a prophet, uh, um, hears from God that this guy is supposed to be a king, um, because the Israelites are thronging and wanting a king. Uh, and then God is like, oh, okay, fine, this guy's going to be your king. He tells Samuel, go and anoint him. Um, so Samuel comes to Saul. Saul is the king, um, and, he, and he anoints him. So in, 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 in 1 Samuel 10, verse 6 to 9, it talks about the transformation that happened when he was being anointed as king. 
So it says, at the time the Spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon him, and, and you will prophesy with them. Sorry, at that time the Spirit of the Lord will come powerfully upon you, and you will prophesy with them. You will be changed into a different person. After all these signs take place, do what must be done, for God is with you. Then go down to Gilgal ahead of me. I will join you there. I will join you there to sacrifice burnt offerings and peace offerings. You must wait seven days until I arrive and give you further instructions. And as Saul turned and started to leave, God gave him a new heart. And all Samuel's signs were fulfilled that day. So what happened with this guy? Um, the Spirit of the Lord was with him. Um, the 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 prophet the, the, the prophet was there with him promising to prophesy spirit of the lord comes upon him god gives him a new heart this guy is radically transformed he is changed you know and isn't this what happens when we get saved that we go through this radical transformation when god is really placing his hand upon us and he's saying this is my son or this is my daughter in whom i am well pleased So that's who we're talking about here. We're talking about Saul. We're talking about a person who was touched by God. We're talking about a person who was, chose, uh, who was chosen by God. We're not talking about someone who was like, ah, yeah, this God thing, I, I, I know about it, you know, but yeah. Because sometimes when we, when we start reading the Bible and, and start reading about the things that he did, we start thinking, oh, yeah, maybe he didn't believe. Oh, no, he believed all right. Um, so let, 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 let's fast forward and look at um, 1 Samuel 13, verse 7 to 10. So it says, Some of them crossed the Jordan River and escaped into the land of Gad and Gilead. Meanwhile, Saul stayed at Gilgal, and his man, trembling with fear, Saul waited there seven days for Samuel, as Samuel had instructed him earlier, but Samuel still didn't come. Samuel. Saul realized that his troops were rapidly sleeping away. So he demanded, bring me the burnt offering and the peace offerings. And Saul sacrificed the burnt offering himself. Just as Saul was finishing with the burnt offering, Samuel arrived. And Samuel went out to meet him. To welcome him, sorry. Sorry, Saul went out to meet and welcome him. So this is an interesting story. You'll remember from the account that I read before, um, when, he was be- when, when Saul was being um, ordained as king, he was told, okay, there, there will be a time where you will need to wait for me at Gilgal. I will take seven days, and then after that seven days, I will come in, sacrifice, and then you can do what you're supposed to do. He did not know at that time what he was supposed to do. Fast forward a couple of, 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 of like some time later, um, now he's at war, he's at war with the Philistines. And he's in the midst of battle. Uh, I don't know if you noticed, but it said that he's, he's, he, he's kind of in a desperate situation. His soldiers are scared. And everyone is on edge and everyone is waiting. But now Samuel said he was going to come. And he's supposed to wait for seven days. But he, he waits for the seven days. He's anxious. Everyone is anxious. The soldiers are starting to retreat. They're starting to move back. But he's waiting. He's holding on. 
And on the seventh day, Samuel, Samuel, oh, the sun is setting. Ah, Samuel, oh, what can I do? (laughs) Samuel's not coming. Isn't that what happens sometimes in our lives? That we we pray to God and we're like, God, um, I want to get married at age of 25. Age of 25. That's that, that's usually most people is saying, I, I want to get married at the age of 25. I don't know why this magic number just always comes up, but most people choose that number. Lord, I want to get married at, at 25. And then 22. I know, I'm still fine. 23. 24. <laughs> 25. You, Samuel, where are you? God, but you and I had a deal, God. Did we not say at 25 this thing is happening? Where is she? Where is he? And then you start consolidating. You're like, okay, fine, God. You know, I, I, I can see you a bit late. Uh, maybe let's say 27. Eh? <laughs> and then uh, 25, 26, 27 comes. What happens now when 27 comes as well? And Samuel is still not coming. God is still not making this promise come true. What happens if you have a business and your business needs a certain amount of money and now that certain amount of money is not coming in? And you have a deadline, because we know businesses work with deadlines. Monies need to go out, supplies need to be paid, um, employees need to be paid. Now the time is nearing. The money, dololo. But God, we prayed. But God, you said, if I trust in you, but God, you said you own the valley of a thousand hills, but you are the provider, you are the father. You'll never let me go hungry. You'll never let me go without bread. Moruna was reading here. Even the birds of the air don't go without because God takes care of them. How much more you? Those are our promises. What happens now when we are at 11 p.m. and at 12 p.m. payments need to go off? Samuel, where are you? Samuel is nowhere to be seen. So what does Saul do? Is he unreasonable? <laughs> Look at his situation. He's in the midst of battle. The other, the other side is not going to wait for, for his prophet. The other side doesn't care about his prophet. The other side wants to win the battle. So they're coming for them. The soldiers are getting antsy. They're all waiting. Samuel's not coming. What does Saul do? What every reasonable person would do, right? What's supposed to be done? I'm a leader. Let me go to the fore. Let me do this myself. Let me do this myself. And this is, isn't this what we do? Lord, I've, I've got a family to feed. You know, I need this job. So now there's this, there's this kind of dodgy kind of business 
that my friends are doing where we really will be scamming people, but look at it this way. I need the money. I need to feed my family. And, and, and I've got bills. I've got, you know, you said, Lord. Or now we, 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 we go out and we say, hey, at, at, at the age of 27, Samuel's not coming. So maybe I should relax some of these strict Christian rules that I've been living under. Maybe the problem is that I'm, I'm too strict. Maybe the problem is I'm following God too closely and I'm, I'm, I'm not, I'm not, you know, I need to relax. When I look around, the people who are relaxed are getting people, you know, they're happy, they're not lonely, they, you know, maybe, maybe I need to relax. The people who, whose businesses are not as stringent against corruption and, and being ethically moral, their businesses are, getting, are making a lot of money. Yes, they have to take a couple of shortcuts here and there. But I mean, we need to do something. Because Samuel is absent. Because God, I was praying to him. And I was believing that he is going to do it. And he, everything that I'm asking for, is he's going to do. But now I feel like things are not happening. So I need to get up. I'm Saul and I'm going to do something. I'm going to make things happen. Sounds reasonable, right? Sounds reasonable. So we, so we make our own, our own plan. But I want, I want us to remember what Meshach and his friends were saying. They were saying, you know what, God? I will, not, I, I will trust in you and I know you're going to save me. But even if you don't, So effectively, in our scenario, in our circumstances, they're saying, even if you don't bring the husband of my youth at the age of 40, husband of my youth at the age of 40, even if I don't have the money to pay my employees and I can't pay the stakeholders and my business goes down, and so many other people can't pay their children. I mean, can't, can't look after their families and can't take care of their children. He's saying, even if I go broke and I have to let go of my car and see it being repossessed and the neighbors are watching that at so-and-so's house, the people came and they were carrying out the furniture and they were going away with it. Even if that's the case, they will not bow down. They will not sacrifice the morality, the ethics, the principles, the values that God has called them to. This is effectively what these guys are saying. So my question to us this morning is how do we get to that kind of faith? That's a difficult type of faith. That's, that's a hard thing to ask of any of us. Hmm. 
So sometimes we, we, we let go of, of, of some stuff. We, we compromise in some areas when things are closing in on us. But then sometimes we, we let go of God altogether. Um, there was a lady that I, I once encountered when we were out doing evangelism. Um, a white lady. She was probably in her mid-50s to late-50s. Um, so I see her just coming out of the mall. So I asked to speak to her. Um, she's kind of like skeptical. Uh, what does this guy want? Is he selling me something? What does he want? And then I smile. And then when I smile, the lady kind of like, you know, she, she relaxes. So, so there's a hint. If you're going out to people and you're evangelizing, don't frown and look uncomfortable. Because what happens is they get nervous and they want to get out of there. So I get there and I smile and I'm relaxed and she relaxes and then we start having a conversation. So... I, 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 I ask her, like, um, does she believe in God? And then again, I see her closing off. And then she's like, no, no, no. I don't believe in God. Like, do you go to church? No, I don't go to church. Um, so to cut a long story short, um, she tells me that when she was much younger, she lost her husband. So her husband passed away, and they hadn't been married for a long time. And they were going to church together. They loved the Lord. Um, and she told me that at that point, she realized that this is not the kind of God she wants to serve. She'd rather live her life without God. Because she loved her husband. She actually even said it like this. If, if your God could bring back my husband right now, then I'd consider going back to him. Yay. <laughs> Samuel, where are you? <laughs> so sometimes we can be battling with a long-term illness or a terminal illness. And we may have been asking for God to, save, to, to, to heal us for years. The healing is not coming. Sometimes we're like, okay, maybe I've been focusing my attention for too long on the wrong thing. Maybe my help is not really going to come from this God. At home, they're telling me that if I slaughter something and I call on some ancestors and then I do a ritual, then I'll stop being ill. You know, the sickness that is happening is because I have a calling on my life by my ancestors to represent them here. And now that I'm sick and I'm not getting better and I've been coming to this God, people have been praying for me, but it's not getting better. So maybe I need to let go of this whole God thing altogether and go out and try my hand at something else. There's a lot of different examples I can count on of where people come to the end of themselves. Failed marriage. Um, Yeah, the list is endless. But how do we get to this even-if type of faith? Where even though these things that I'm talking about, 
they are so heavy and they're so real that we can get to this. It's a point of liberty, isn't it? It's a point of real freedom where you can be really pressed on every side and put in a cage by hardship and and discomfort. But you can stand free and say, even if this is what I choose. Yeah. Because so often, circumstances make decisions for us. The, The desperation around us. It makes those decisions for us. But if we look at Philippians 4, verse 6 to 7, it says, Do not be anxious for anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, let your request be made known to God. And the peace of God, which which Sorry? And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Do not be anxious for anything. What's the first thing that happened with Saul? Anxious. Scared was jittery. Everyone else around him was scared they were jittery. What happened after they were anxious? They did the wrong thing. They messed up. Do not be anxious for anything, but in every situation, let your request be made known to God. So these guys were not just saying, you know what, we, we're not going to listen to you, King Nebuchadnezzar. They were praying. In that secret place, they were there with God and saying, Lord, we need your protection. Lord, we're in this foreign land. Lord, there's 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 an imminent threat against our lives. And we are trusting that you will come in and save us. So these guys were praying and they were fervent and they were and they were and they were really trusting in God to save them. And then what happens? The peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds. Peace of God will surpass all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds. What does that mean? What does that look like? That looks like you standing for seven days where Samuel said he was going to come. That looks like you standing for eight days, standing for nine days, standing for ten days. Until Samuel comes. In another part in scripture, there's a similar situation where an army is coming against a particular king of Israel. And what does he do? He does exactly what I'm talking about. He stands, he prays, and then he starts worshiping. And then he starts calling in everyone else to come and help him. Why is he calling everyone else to come and help him? Because he's weak. Because when you're going through hardship, you can't do it by yourself. Because when you're going through a discomfort, you need others around you to remind you who you are. You need others around you to help you 
um, pray. You need others around you to help you worship. Because at some point, you're at a point where you're either physically weak or spiritually too weak to pray or worship for yourself. So this king went up. He stood where he was told to stand. He faced the armies. He called everyone around him. And he started praying. He had no clue what was going to happen. But he had this faith. Even though he never pronounced it, he had this faith that even if we die today, we die standing in the peace that we know who you are and what you can do. And then someone comes with a hectic prophecy. They're like, the battle is not yours. The battle is the Lord. The, is the Lord's. You will defeat this army today. So what's the principle there? The battle is not ours, it's the Lord's. The problem when we, when we assume the role that Saul assumed, that you know what, I'm the leader, I need to do something. We're all leaders in our own lives. If things don't happen, in our, if things aren't happening in our own lives, most of the time we need to initiate them. But there's a, there's a deeper abandon that we need to get right in our lives. Where we realize that although we, we, we are in charge of our lives, we're not really in charge of our lives. There is one who is above us in authority. There is one who knows more. There is one who understands more. There is one who can do more than we can ever do. Or, or try more than we could ever try. So what, what Meshach and his friends knew is that there's nowhere on this earth that we will go where troubles won't come. They knew that there's nowhere that will go on this earth where discomfort and, and pain and all of these other things that make us uncomfortable and press us in. But you know what they understood? They understood that miracles are born out of desperate situations. They're born out of discomfort. So often we're reading the Bible and we're seeing great things happen. But so often we, we fail to understand and to fail to really hone in to the fact that these guys were going through the most. To speak how we speak these days. They were going through the most. They were going through the hardest of hardships. They were going through desperate situations. And that's when we, we usually see these hectic uh, miracles where we're like, oh, how did that happen? And then we sit there, we're longing, we're praying, and, and we're crying out, why aren't these happening in my life? Maybe I'm not praying too much, enough. Maybe I'm not religious enough. Maybe I'm not spiritual enough. Maybe I'm not evangelizing to enough people. Maybe I'm not discipling enough people into Christ. Maybe I'm not inviting enough people to God. That's not true. Maybe I'm not allowing God space enough in my life. 
maybe when something seems uncomfortable, when maybe something seems uncertain, I get up and I look for options. And I try to maintain and I try to make sure that we don't get to that desperate situation. That we don't get to that place where I feel helpless and there's absolutely nothing that I can do. And we need to learn to allow ourselves to get to that place. To allow ourselves, if God said, you will not get married until I bring the right person for you. Or you will remain um, sexually pure until I bring the right person to you. We need to make those decisions. That it's difficult, that it's uncomfortable, that it's not nice, and that I look around and so many other people are doing it. And it's so easy. And then we realize that we have a different standard. We have a different standard that we call to. We have a different standard that we are to live under. Our principles are different. Our values are different. And when Job's wife comes to us and says, are you not abandoning your principles? Are you not abandoning your values? We say, nope. We're going to stand strong on them. When that company finds you in a desperate situation and they know about your desperate situation as a business owner, and they say, look, we can offer you this much. We know you're going through hardships. We're going to make it worth your while. All we want you to do is don't disclose this. Or give a little for our CEO. His family needs a holiday. Although it's so easy, although so many are doing it, although so many are not being caught or locked up or whatever the case may be, We live under a different standard. And we hold on to that standard. So that even if we let go of that tender and then the business falls, we know that God is with us. And you know, this is... When we look at it with temporal eyes, it can all seem so futile. It's like, what's the point of that then? Why am I going to go under? Why am I going to struggle? Why am I going to go through so much hardship when I could actually just do something quickly and turn it all around? What does it gain a man? What does it gain a woman if he loses the whole world? I mean, if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul. That's what's at stake here, ladies and gentlemen. That's what's at stake here. An eternity with God. A lifetime of righteousness. A lifetime of being alive. Job's wife says, curse God and die. That, that statement is, is, is much deeper than it, it first appears. Because we think in curse God and die, you know what, just tell God whatever. Tell God I suga. <laughs> you know? That's what it's, that's only what it seems like at the beginning. 
But basically, when, when she says, curse God and die, she basically means that when you are without God, then you are dead. There's no prospect for you without God. There's no future for you without God. So she means the reason why we cling on to God is because He is our life. And without Him, we have no life. And without Him, there's no direction. Without Him, there's no purpose. Without Him, there's no destiny. I always sit and I wonder (laughs) what I'd be doing and where I'd be if I'd never accepted God into my life. (laughs) What I can say is it wasn't looking so promising. It was looking pretty bleak. I can say for myself and it was it was a thing where I usually wondered to myself because of just because of how reckless and how how reckless and how um, what's this English word I'm looking for impulsive I was you know I was just doing anything and everything and you know going with the flow and I always ask myself what would I be doing if I didn't have God And, and this is something I usually say that even I don't trust myself if there's no God. Because without God, then my word means nothing. I can change like this today and I can change like that tomorrow because I'm doing everything to suit myself. And whatever benefits me today, that's where I'm at. Whatever benefits me tomorrow, that's where I am. And what happened with Saul is that he ended up hurting his, his, him, himself. He ended up hurting the generations that were to come. Because if you read on later, when Samuel comes in that situation, he's like, what have you done? What have you done? I told you, don't do anything until I came. But now that this is what you have done, Your kingdom will not last forever. It will be cut off. But if you had not done this thing, your kingdom would would have been forever and would have been from generation to generation. But what you have done right now is you have robbed the next generation of the same spirit that God has poured upon you. We have robbed them of, of, of getting this new heart of them being revived, of them being a king. And we all know how this story unravels. Our story can unravel here on earth as well. But that doesn't really matter. It can unravel, our generations can also be affected, the children, our children's children can also be affected because of the decisions we're making today. But ultimately, why this all matters is in the face of eternity. Where we will all stand before a righteous God and account for the decisions that we have made. And when Saul is standing in front of Samuel, he says, yeah, but you said you were going to be here in seven days and you never came. So I had to do something. Samuel is like, ah, 
I asked you to wait. So those words of curse God and die. <laughs> Although when we find ourselves in hardship, when we find ourselves in these difficult places, they may seem very attractive to us. We, we should know that their way really is death. And that there's nowhere we can go without God. No other philosophy. No other God. No other plan. He is the only plan. And we need to cling on to Him. Because He is our life and the length of our days. Because so often we say, I'm going to go out and try this one. Oh, maybe this one's not working. Let me... No. He is the way, the truth, and the life. No one goes to the Father except through Him. Our suffering, like I was saying earlier, everywhere you go, the suffering. If you're thinking you're going to run away from God or you're going to compromise doing what God is saying you must do because you're thinking that's going to be better and it's going to help you bypass suffering or bypass discomfort or bypass pain. I have bad news because I'm bringing you good news. <laughs> That's not the case. Because even pleasure and fun, as we know it, brings pain and discomfort and sorrow. The only reason why our pain and our discomfort has meaning is because of who we serve. Because of who is in us. Because of the promise of eternity that He has for us. Because though inwardly we are wasting away, outward, sorry, before, though outwardly we are wasting away, inwardly we are being renewed day by day. Though our bodies are going through toil, though we stressed, Though we're trying to figure out impossible equations. Though we're waiting and we're so tired, we're so sick of waiting. Inwardly, we're being renewed. He's renewing our soul. And He's setting us up for eternity. He's setting up our generations for a good blessing. He's, 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 he's sparing them from the pain and the hardship that might come because of our actions that are not aligned with Him. So how do we get to this even if type of faith? We've been talking about faith the last couple of, it's probably been like a month now. We've been talking about faith. And so often when we listen, when we listen to sermons, we can take them from a place of, oh, that's a good, that's a good message. You know, it makes me feel good. It makes me feel happy. But then sometimes we need um, to really massage and really make it real, really paint out the picture 
of what we're talking about when we're talking about faith is we, we're talking about something that goes deeper than the pressures that we face, that goes deeper than the hardships that we face. We're talking about trusting in God with everything. And that's where we'll see His power. And that's where we'll see His glory. And that's when we'll see miracles happen before us. When we dare to stand before a king and say, even if you don't want to give me that tender, I will not sacrifice. Won't you just stand to your feet? There's a, there's a dear friend of mine. Um, she she was about to get married. She, you know, if you Zulu or well, if you African, I I can just say just for the sake of time, I don't want to explain this um, long. Um, if you're African, you usually have a number of different wedding ceremonies. You know, like so. Th- this lady, this 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 friend of mine had gone through like one or two of those ceremonies. Um, she was about to do the white wedding. Um, she already had a child with the guy. Um, and then the, 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 the guy passes away. You know, a terrible, tragic story. Um, but for me, I was interested in why she, she remained in the faith and why her faith was so strong. Because every time you were talking about her, she would talk about God, and she would talk about God this, and God has helped me with this, and you know. So I asked her a question. I was like, why are you not mad at God? Why are you still holding on to him so much? And then her answer was so profound, and it struck me. She said, You know what, even though I've been going through so much pain, even though this is the hardest thing that I've ever gone through in my life, I have found that all this time that I was going to church, all this time that I was going to connect group, all this time that I was listening to scriptures, I thought... I really knew what it was to be a Christian. But now that I've just gone through this, I've started to see God in a new light. I've started to see some of the declarations, the beautiful declarations that the Bible makes about Him, about how faithful He is, about how tangible His presence is in our lives, especially when we're in need of Him. And I've just gone so much deeper. And I've just gone to understand Him in ways that I have never understood Him. And that I probably would have never understood Him if this had never happened in my life. And now I want to do so much more for Him and with Him than before this thing had happened in my life. And that is our prayer for us this morning.
that even though we've been battered and bruised and even though we are clenched, are caught in a, like a vice grip and there's so many pressures around us and there's so many things that are happening, my prayer is that through those situations, through that discomfort, we may really know the presence of God. We may really flow in the gifts of God. That because I found myself in a place where my mother-in-law or my father had cancer, I understood what it was to step out, go lay a hand and pray for someone. And I saw God healing someone. That through the pressure that I faced, through this pressure that I faced, I will be able to. So this morning, I'd like us to really take some time of ministry and prayer before God. I really have a sense that so many of us are going to encounter God afresh this morning. That He wants to come in and present Himself afresh. Present Himself in new ways that we have not known Him before. Present Himself deeper. Snocks, won't you just come up? We're going to take some time. We're going to pray this morning. But as we pray, if you're saying, I need you to pray for me this morning, don't have to give us any reasons. Please just come to the front. If you're specifically saying, you know what, I just need prayer this morning, feel free to come to the front. Um, but we're going to be praying for people. I believe God has specific words, right now words, that He wants to give to us as a people. So, won't we just take some time to seek Him this morning? I just want to invite if anybody would like some prayer, please come to the front. Um, and we're going to pray with you. And we know that God is able to help us through those these times of difficulty, those even if moments. But I just, I want to pray um, for each one of us who is here, whether you are there at your seat or here in front. Um, I just want to pray. And I also want to pray for those who are at home. All right. Father God, we thank you because you are good. We thank you, Lord, that you are our God. When we are in the midst of the fire, you promise God that when we go through the fires, you'll be with us. When we go through the waters, you'll be with us. So today I bring each person, dear Father, in whatever place they are in, whatever season they are in, Heavenly Father. We pray, dear God, 
that you would remind us afresh that you are our God, that our lives are not just about today, that our lives are about eternity, Heavenly Father. I pray, dear God, even those who have suffered loss, that they would remember, that you remember every tear, dear God, and that every form of loss that they have gone through, you are aware of, and then you are working through it in Jesus' name. Father God, I pray that you would cause a strength, Father, a strength to rise up on the inside of us, Heavenly Father, that we would stand strong and not be moved by the situations that we find ourselves in, Heavenly Father. I pray, God, that you would strengthen us like you strengthened Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who, Heavenly Father, said, despite what, whatever will happen, even if God does not come through and save us, we will still serve him. We will still not bow before you. I pray, God, that you would raise that up on the inside of us in Jesus' name. And, Lord, I pray for those at home as well, that, God, you would minister to each one of them in the mighty name of Jesus. Thank you, Father God. Thank you. Um, I just want to ask uh, our leaders to just stand in front of the people and to pray for them or, you know, whichever way. But can we just pray? Pray for each person that is standing here in front. All right. And we're going to close our service now. Okay. So I just would like you, if you want some prayer or if you, if you are waiting for a word of prophecy or something like that, you are more than welcome to stay. But we're going to close the service now and have a wonderful week. May the Lord bless you and keep you. We pray that your relationship with the Lord would deepen even in this week. So, uh, Father, we thank you for the service. We thank you for your word that is ministered to us today. And for this week, Lord, we thank you. We pray that we would see you better, that we would understand you more, that our relationship with you would go deeper. We give you the praise now in Jesus' name. And thank you so much for your word. Amen and amen. Thank you for joining Church Online today. We hope that you were inspired and challenged by today's message. We would like to encourage you to join one of our connect groups where you can make friends and discuss the word further. You can message us on 072-606-6747 to join a connect group or to send us any prayer needs you might have. To give your tithes and offering, please visit our website www.endurban.org to get our bank details and zapper code. Have a safe and blessed week.